I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's great to have a dishwasher, but sometimes you just want to put on rubber gloves and stick your hands in, and then notice that there's corn in the sink that you want to wash down the drain. And no matter how much water you pour in the different places to try and get the stream to move the corn into the hole, it just will not go, no matter what. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hi. Um, I was a little worried because you you were due to get here for ten thirty this morning. Yeah. And then you texted me and said you wouldn't be here till 11. Yeah. And I was quite relieved, to be honest. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because I had a few bits and pieces that I had to do. Mm. And then it was closer to 20 past 11 that you turned I know, up. I know, terrible. And I thought you might be dead. Did you really? Yes. Oh, tell me what was going through your head. Did you did you get to the funeral speech? But no, so here's, here's my thought process. Yeah. So I knew you'd be driving here. Yeah. I knew you... I know you're not the most confident of drivers. No, no. Um, it's raining. Yes, and windy. And windy. Yeah. And, and you're running late. Yeah. So I thought you might be a bit agitated and then make some terrible decision whilst driving and, and yeah, end yeah. up in a road fatality. Oh. And then I was thinking, oh, my God, if, if Annabelle died, who would look after her baby while Tom's playing football? <laughs> That was my first thought. Were you going to step up? I thought maybe that could be the thing that I do. You do Saturday afternoon. And then I was thinking, would I record a podcast anyway? Oh, what, today? I think I, that would be inappropriate. A bit too soon, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah too soon. I think but a, then a one week off at least. But yeah. then I'd feel bad for the people who donate on Patreon, you know. Would I be expected to give them some money back if I, I missed think, one? I think they'd understand. I think they're the kind of person that would donate, the kind of person that would understand you skipping one week because I died that Do you think day? it would ultimately be good or bad for my career if you died? <laughs> I don't think it, you know, well, the, the price of the thing is it'd be very indifferent. <laughs> Very. You don't think they'd like ask me on to this morning? Unfortunately, I don't think. Say, if you were, you know, partnered up in a podcast with Ed Miliband, for example, <laughs> I think you would be invited on to this morning to talk about some memories. Unfortunately, yeah. not with me. No. No. Well, good. Good. I'm glad we've cleared cleared all that yeah, up. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be honest, I've really struggled this week to think about anything we could talk about on Adrift. Okay. Because, and, and that is worrying to me. Mm. Because what if I am becoming well-adjusted? Your career's over then, definitely. It is. Yeah, yeah. I've made a career out of my neuroses. <laughs> yeah. And if I don't have any neuroses, <laughs> then, then there's nothing left. They're really? Well, I mean, it's a house of, there's nothing <laughs> left. It's a house of cards. It would be difficult. It really would. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm starting to regret going for therapy for decades. <laughs> I could go to therapy and say, is there any way of undoing any of the good work (laughs) that you've done? Um, So I was like thinking about things that have happened to me this week, which would usually be causes for anxiety. Mm. And I'm I'm really struggling. So I mentioned a while ago that the the young woman who's cut my hair for years has moved to Ibiza. Oh, yeah. So I had to go to a new hairdresser this week. Oh, right, yeah. And I thought, oh, God, there'll be some awkward social interaction in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, it was brilliant because he didn't speak very much English. So there was no small talk. I'm going to him. Yeah, that is my big piece of advice for you. If you don't enjoy the the haircut small talk, find somebody for whom English isn't isn't, um, not even a first language, but a language really that they're interested in learning. Or go to any hairdresser and pretend that you don't speak English. 
I think about this though. I think what if and there's like I don't know a couple of hundred to one chance of doing it. You pick a language, yeah, the native language that also the hairdresser spoke. Oh, that'd be so awful. Yeah, okay, so yeah, you've got to watch that. I yeah. mean, you could pretend to be a mute. Yes, there's that. Yes, carry a little sign with you. Yeah, when my boyfriend had throat surgery, he used to have to carry a bit of paper saying, "I'm sorry, I can't talk. I've just had surgery," and you'd hand it, you'd hand the card over. That's great. Yeah. Okay, I'm making one of those. Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And then I don't know what else has happened to him. Oh, I, d- I did have one idea. So while you were off on maternity leave last year, yeah. one of the co-hosts was um, a brilliant comic actor, Carrie Ad Lloyd. Oh, yeah. And she is big in improv. Mm. And she said that doing improv classes would help with anybody's confidence. Oh. Now, I don't want to particularly do an improv class, mm. but I was interacting with somebody in the supermarket yesterday. So it went like this. Hi, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, and he's ringing up the groceries and he says, how's your day been? I say, oh, fine, thank you. How about yours? He says, fine, thank you. And say, oh, and what time do you knock off? He says, oh, not till 10 o'clock. At which point I think I should have like a bit of repartee ready to go yeah but i just freeze in that situation i don't i don't have anything mm. so all i can say is oh that's late to be eating your dinner or something that's, that's fine but what about very specific improv classes for uh, everyday interactions yes. people who work in the supermarket people who work in the cafe taxi drivers this drivers is, and so this on. is this is your money this is what you need to do this could be brilliant. My... Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. I'll go to these classes. The thing is, neither of us will be able to teach them though. No, no, we'd have to get someone to teach it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's that's the mm. that's the uh that's the only that's the only thing I've got for this week's podcast, which bodes well, <laughs> I think. This is your favorite program. Adrift. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Send us your story of failed human interactions and so on. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Tom says, my little brother's first job after he left school was a barman in a Toby Carvery. He was extremely enthusiastic and hardworking and as a result was taken under the manager's wing and promoted to head barman, team leader and assistant manager after only a few months. His progress was so dizzyingly fast, his manager had agreed to temporarily overlook the fact that he didn't have a car or driving licence, a requirement for all assistant managers, but he agreed that this would be achieved as quickly as possible. Before any of this could sink in, his manager went off sick, leaving him in charge of the entire restaurant. Whilst already out of his depth, his manager sent him a text that read simply, Remember to attend the regional meeting. Don't tell them you can't drive. My brother found the date, time and location of this meeting, planned his two-hour bus journey to the restaurant where it was being held and set off half an hour early in order to not be seen arriving by bus. After waiting at the bar for half an hour and sitting down for the meeting, his heart started racing as he realised he was the youngest person by at least 20 years, the only person not wearing a suit. And whilst he didn't feel he lived up to his name badge, which read assistant manager, other people said things like national director of finance and chief executive. He wondered whether he should really be attending this meeting. The chair asked if everyone would sign a sheet of paper which was being passed around. And as the fourth, fifth and sixth person casually removed yet another expensive fountain pen from their jacket pocket to sign their name, my brother realised he had not thought to bring a pen. He hoped in vain that someone might ask the person next to them to borrow their pen and thus signal that this was socially acceptable. As the paper silently made its way around the 15 or 20 more people to my brother, he realised his already fragile managerial image wouldn't stand up to being the only person to break the silence with the words, I haven't got a pen. <laughs> Thinking quickly, he took the clipboard, pulled it very close to his face as if he was scrutinising <laughs> something extremely carefully, and whilst doing his best to obscure his hands with the clipboard, <laughs> reached into his inside jacket pocket, removed an imaginary pen, and mimed... <laughs> Mind the action of writing a signature before returning the thin air to his jacket pocket. He realised he had no plan whatsoever for what he would do if the person next to him said, why haven't you signed your name? Or worse, sorry, could I borrow your pen? But luckily, it went unnoticed. At some point during the meeting, the topic turned to some member of staff in another district who was due to be promoted to assistant manager, but hadn't yet passed his driving test, and whether this rule could be bypassed in special circumstances. The resounding opinion of the group was no. Being able to drive is absolutely vital to being any sort of manager, and he would 
would have to be overlooked. <laughs> the meeting ended and my brother set about scanning the surroundings for a way to leave the restaurant without revealing he'd come on the bus. <laughs> One of the very professional managers called to him. Are you going to stop and have a pint with us before you go? My brother responded convincingly with a sigh. Sorry, driving. <laughs> In retrospect, he could think of at least a hundred answers that would have made life much easier. A few of the group went into the bar, whilst the majority of the group congregated at the tables outside in front of the restaurant, overlooking the entire car park and street. My brother walked out in front of them and, feeling their collective gaze, pulled his house keys out of his pocket and jangled them around in his hand, craning his neck to see over cars, trying to look slightly annoyed that he couldn't seem to remember where he'd parked his, (laughs) still not knowing how he was going to end the act. He slowly took his search for his imaginary car to the end of the car park and onto the street beyond. Unfortunately, in the opposite direction from which his bus had approached, <laughs> off it round a corner and onwards for a full 50 minutes until he found another bus stop that mentioned any place names he'd recognise and caught four buses home. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. Loved that. Uh, my favourite line in it was, he returned the thin air to his pocket. <laughs> yes, me too. I love that <laughs> so, so much. Brilliant. OK, and this is from Andy in Milton Keynes. About 25 years ago, I went to visit my mother, who was living in Spain, for Christmas. She lived there with her husband and my half-brother. About three days before Christmas Day, they decided to go to Gibraltar, about 40 miles away, to get some last-minute presents, and I tagged along. We arrived, parked in a multi-storey car park, and then went shopping in the multitude of different establishments along the main street. In one shop, my brother, who was about eight at the time, spied a model Airfix plane and wanted it. We said it was too expensive. However, my mum took me to one side, gave me some money and the key to the car, and we planned that I would then split up to do some of my own shopping, double back into the model shop, buy the item, and then put it in the boot of the car, and this would be a nice surprise for my brother to open on Christmas morning. All went well. The item was bought. I went back to the car, opened the boot and placed the item in there. However, I left the key in the lock and when I brought the boot lid down, the key snapped in the lock and I was left with half a key in my hand and the rest inside the lock. What could I do? This was in the day before mobile phones, so I couldn't contact anyone and tell them of my predicament. The broken half was just inside the lock and out of reach for my fat fingers. As I'd opened the boot, which was separate from the rest of the car, I couldn't even get in the car either. The broken half was tantalisingly out of reach. I then had a brainwave of trying to suck the broken key out of the lock (laughs) or at least dislodge it to get a better grip. So this is what I did. I got on my knees and covered the lock with my mouth and started my imitation of a Henry Hoover. (laughs) The worst thing then happened. When I'd been going for some five minutes, the car park had cars in it, but thankfully no people. Suddenly, I heard a young girl's voice saying, Daddy, what is that man doing? I looked around and saw a young couple with a girl about five years old walking past. The girl was staring at me, but her parents didn't make eye contact, but pulled her (laughs) along as fast as possible. I tried to explain, but decided to give up as they were through the door and down the stairs before I had a chance to speak to them. Eventually, the plan worked. After much sucking, I managed to slightly dislodge the key and get my fingertips to it. And I had two halves of a key and my lips covered in dirt. I went to around ten locksmiths, a surprisingly large number for an island rock that size, and the 10th managed to cut a new car key. I was about 90 minutes late with the rendezvous with my mum, who was not best pleased at having to wait. I didn't think she believed my story until I showed her the evidence. I just hoped that little girl didn't grow up thinking that keyhole sucking was a strange Gibraltar <laughs> pastime. Well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, it's just astonishing that that worked. Yeah, I know, sucking it out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps I'll encourage more people to give that a go. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but I think I have seen Channel 5 documentaries about people who have weird fetishes with cars and other vehicles. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure that's what you would have looked like. <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah. Uh, if you have a story for us, we would love to hear from you. Email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle. Yes. Do you have in front of you a prepared story for us? I do, yes. Uh, What's it about this week? Okay, well, there are many areas in my life, as you know, where I'm not very adventurous. I mean, most of them, in fact. Mm. I mean, probably all of them. One of which is my hair. Now, you'll know that I pretty much had the same haircut, give or take some slight variations in length, since I was five. 
There's, there's, there's never much going on there, is it? It's just hair hanging to a certain length. I seem to remember there was one time where it, I mean, it, it, it wasn't like you came in with this, oh my God, look at Annabelle, she's mm. reinvented herself. Yeah, she's but it like went David Bowie. But there was a slight difference. In length. There was a more bob like quality yes, to yeah, it. Yeah, I had a maybe few inches last, of. didn't last very long. No, I just grew it back to its normal length yeah. again. You, you're basically like, if they made it, it would be very easy for them if they made an action figure of you. <laughs> Because you just sort of always look exactly the same. In terms of my hair, yes. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I don't go regularly to the hairdresser, though. You know, I do I do still have it cut, obviously, even though it looks like it hasn't been touched in years. And even though one of the first times I went to the hairdressers on my own, so as a teenager, and it was in a business centre very near to my family home, it didn't even really seem like a hairdresser. There was just one chair and one mirror in a very big, sparsely decorated room. There's no sink, so I just had a dry cut. And there were two girls, though, and I remember very clearly in between having that smock thing put on me and waiting for it to be cut, seeing the two girls in the mirror whispering and silently laughing together and appearing to mock me. I mean, I'm still unclear why or why they hadn't thought about their reflections in the mirror. But anyway, of course, when they cut my hair, I praised it, paid in full and left. Of course. Just like the time I praised the haircut, paid in full and tipped the time when the guy was doing that thing. You probably haven't had this, but when they cut into your hair, it's supposed to thin their hair out and create texture. I'm not sure anyone would want thinner hair. I mean, maybe Brian May, but I'm not sure anyone else. <laughs> they kind of run the scissors up your hair. Right, yes. And he did that and he accidentally cut a big chunk out. He didn't say a word and I didn't say a word, apart from at the end when I went, oh, yes, great, love it, thank you very much. <laughs> My last hairdresser, who I'd always say to, I really like the length of it at the moment, so, you know, just I just have very slight trim, please, and then cut two or three inches off. Oh, oh, yes, great, love it, thank you very much, thank you. I do probably deserve all of this because of the time me and some friends permed our friend Emma's hair with a kit that we bought from Boots. But we'd run out of curlers by the time we got to the back, so we just plaited bits of hair and poured the perming lotion on it. I mean, she probably wanted thinner hair by the end of that. (laughs) But anyway, I'm not very adventurous with hair. Unlike my dad, though, who in the 90s grew a rat's tail... He never. Yeah, yeah, you knew this, didn't no. you? No way. Oh, my God. I mean, oh, wow. So, yeah. And if you don't know what I mean, you know a rat's tail, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hair's very short all over, apart from one section at the back, which you grow long, <laughs> looking, therefore, like a rat's tail. Now, I think the clue to whether this is ever a good idea is in the name, rat's tail. <laughs> it's not nice. I mean, you can have a pixie cut, a bob, ringlets, quiff, mop top. They all sound nice, but rat's tail. I can't remember why my dad did it. But I think if I tell you that if he was in his early 50s at the time, might prompt the words midlife crisis yeah. to shout loudly in your head. I do know that one of New Kids on the Block had a rat's tail at the time, but my dad wasn't a fan of them. <laughs> I think it's for a joke. Which He never took you to a New Kids on the Block concert. <laughs> no, then, right? no, no. I do think it was for a joke, which I think is quite some commitment to humour. Mm. I also know that my dad, who all my life had had very short hair, turned out that that very short hair is actually very curly and very frizzy. So he had a very long, very curly, <laughs> frizzy rat's tail that used to ask me to plait. That was one of my jobs. And I'd secure the plait with one of those hair bands that looks like a mini sweatband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, I should point out that my dad is not a suit wearer, unless that suit is track or shell. <laughs> he only ever wears suits to weddings and funerals. It's one of these people that looks very uncomfortable in it the whole time. He's a man who wears shorts between February and November and he wears shorts so much that he refers to trousers as long trousers. <laughs> so I don't know whether the fact that he wore the rat's tail with smart clothes, like he didn't, sorry, he didn't wear the rat's tail with smart clothes. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Mm. But I am wondering now whether it was this that made me so boring with my hair in later years. <laughs> this is warm and friendly and you like it and that's why you're here. You were the one that pressed play after all with your thumb. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You have a lovely thumb. Just hearing that story you told then triggered a memory about when I um, crimped my hair. Oh, Jeff, crimping. I was like 14, maybe 13, 14, and my sister had hair crimpers. And, you know, they're just lying around, you're bored. Back in those days, there was no internet, there was nowhere to go, nothing to do. (laughs) You see a pair of hair crimpers, you think, I wonder if I should uh, crimp my hair, which I did. So what we're talking there, uh, ballpark 1987. I think there was a lot of crimping, oh, it was peak crimping. In, in pop culture, yeah, but not necessarily, uh, it wasn't necessarily <laughs> in, in, in men's hair. Or, or teenage boys' hair. Or teenage no, boys' no. hair, yeah. So, um, so I did it and it looked terrible, but I didn't realise it looked terrible at the time. I thought, oh, oh maybe this is a hot, funky new oh, look. Don't. And I went to school oh. and straight away somebody laughed at it and said, oh, look, Lloyd, he's crimped his hair. And, and instead of sort of owning it, I tried to pretend that I hadn't. <laughs> no, 
just the rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Do you see a crimper's still a thing? No. It was only even the 80s, wasn't it? They'll definitely make a comeback, though. No, I don't think they will. They were like the crinkle. It was like whatever urge in people there was to make fries into crinkle cup fries. <laughs> that yes. was the same thing that was going on with hair. <laughs> Who looks at a chipper thing when well, it's boring? I wish it was a bit more wavy. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, should remind you about Patreon at this point. Um Maybe if we got enough on Patreon, we could you know, buy some vintage crimpers. Is that a good thing? Is that a good use of money? We could do a, um, a vodcast where we've both got crimped hair. <laughs> That'll get the money rolling in. Yeah. Um, if you don't already support us on Patreon, then we'd love it if you did. If you listen to the podcast every week and you can spare just the equivalent of um, you know, a pound or a couple of pounds a month or more mm. if you're flush. Yeah. Um, then go to patreon.com stroke adrift. If you do already support us, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's very gratefully received. Uh, so that's Patreon. And how's it going with the book? Yes. I mean, it was the first week was very exciting because people are starting to buy it and I'm you know refreshing that Amazon page very religiously and seeing it creep up and down. I'd say things are slowed down a bit now. So I would say if you don't have my book, Annabelle versus the Internet, now is a really good time to buy it because the rush is off. So you know <laughs> you can get to the book, get through the doors of the bookshop, you know, the queues aren't too long. Now is a really good time to buy it online or maybe in a Although I have to say I went to Waterstones in South End yesterday because I wanted to go and look at it and have my picture taken with it. It didn't have it. No. Yeah, but I have to say that they, and I don't know what this is about South End, but their humour section was at the very bottom of the indoor games bit and it was one very, very narrow shelf. There was about 20 books there. I don't think they're very committed to their humour books. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's such a shame. Yeah, it was really sad. You, you could have ordered it. I could like have. Like J.R. Hartley. I would have had to give I'm my name. For, for a book <laughs> yeah. called, it's by Annabelle Port and it's called Annabelle. And the name, please. Yeah, I think my mum's going to go in there and, and uh, do that. Have you seen it in our shop? No, because that's the only time I've been to a bookshop. I see. I know. Well, uh, if I see it in a bookshop, I'll, I'll move it to the front. Please, and the window. The yeah. Win- the window. Maybe I'll sign it. Yeah. No, you don't need to sign it. <laughs> Why? Vandalism. <laughs> <laughs> No, move it to the window. The Beatles could, would all do each other's signatures. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean sign it with my name? I thought you meant with your name. <laughs> <laughs> no, your name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, do that. If, yeah. if anything, that makes it a more special one, doesn't it? So, so, to some people. Some no, that's them. not how I mean it. I mean it's more rare because um, it's got a forged signature instead of a real one. Oh, in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So people have been going looking now for this really rare book. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. how will they know? Because I'm a good um, forgerist. Mm. Is that the right word? Forger. 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 Mm. That sounds like somebody who's working with smelting iron. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, mm. anyway. Um, so Annabelle's book is out now, Annabelle versus the Internet. How many weeks will we bang on about it before we move on? Uh, I don't know. Another two after this? Oh, I was going to say this? 52. Okay, we'll do it for one year. <laughs> one, one year. One okay. calendar year. Thanks. There are some things that move down the stream. Some of them are called Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. It's coming past you, and on the sale is written GL. A P, which stands for GLAP. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. The organization. Adrift. So Sarah's dad's visiting at the moment. He's he's come solo. Yeah. Lynn Barron isn't with him. Um, Sarah has decided that rather than have both her parents under the same roof at the same time. Mm-hmm. She would like to meet her out her affection, give him, you know, shower all her affection on one parent at a time oh. instead of having to split it between the two. Oh, nice. It's nothing about the pressure cooker environment of having everybody under the same no, roof. No, 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 Not no, that no, at no, all. No. It's entirely about the affection. Um, so, anyway, she decides yesterday she wants to make a nice dinner for her dad. Okay. But she has to go out and work in the early evening. Mm. So, she says to me, would you mind prepping uh, prepping the vegetables? Okay. So I have a little grumble because, you know, I never like to do anything willingly. <laughs> of course not, no. Because no. I'm in a marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I say, yes, I will prepare the vegetables. Mm. It, it then becomes, as I get into this task and talk to her more, that it's less about preparing the vegetables and more about making this entire meal. Right, okay. Yeah. Which is a hearty soup. Okay. Oh, okay. As a meal. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which, I, as you know, mm. I don't consider a soup to be a substantial meal, mm-hmm. but this is what my wife has, has chosen. Okay. So. okay. So I end up making this thing and then she swans in 
at eight o'clock to sit down and, mm. and eat this dinner with her dad. Yeah. And I noticed she's not she's not particularly you know, what she's not is wolfing it down. Okay. This isn't a woman who's like been out working and she's got back and she's starving and she's into the soup. She's sort of like you can't really push soup around the plate because mm. of the nature of soup. Mm. But she's playing with her food a bit. When when we come to uh, finish, she's only had, you know, a certain amount of it. It's not all gone. It turns out yeah. that she went out for a little, she got hungry and she went out for a little dinner. No. Yes. So she, she made you cook the dinner, yeah. went out for dinner herself. Yes. Came, no. And yeah. then she didn't force it down out politeness. Yes, exactly. And I'll tell you what's something about your wife, and she's one of my favourite people. She doesn't eat things out of politeness. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. Not. She no. doesn't. I brought things around before, and she and you and I and I brought around some turgid things. You, <laughs> you'll eat it out of politeness. Yeah. She, she won't. Let's no, just say absolutely not. I'm, no, she just won't eat it. And I and that. I have to say, I really respect that. But do you respect the fact that somebody's asked me <laughs> to make dinner, and then in between uh, gone out and had dinner on their own, and unable to finish the very meal mm. that she asked me to cook? I'm struggling. Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? We find out in this week's The Incident. <laughs> Sam Barron is a chef and proprietor of the Fat Shallot, classic American sandwiches in Chicago. He's also my wife's brother. I want to see if this kind of thing runs in the family. I'll do like pre-meal meals. It's never to like a pastime for a wait. Um, but yeah, I would have like, uh, I've crammed together a lot of meals in a short period. Like I'll decide that, you know, dinner might be at six, but I'm hungry at four. And I know that then there'll only be like a 90 minute interim, but I think, you know, then that there's just two separate meals that I'll cram together, but I don't, there's no fear of being too full to have a second meal. That would never deter me. So are you, are you never eating until it hurts then? Uh, I would say most most meals are till it hurts. But I feel like a little <laughs> emptiness inside me if there's not a physical pain in my stomach. Like the idea of going to a like going to a dinner, especially if it's like a thing, like we're going out to this place. If we were to eat and I wasn't sickly full, I would feel very upset and unsatisfied. Like you'd been cheated. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, this wasn't even a meal. I'm not full. Why don't we order another little something so I can get to where I need to be? Which I know that's not an emotionally healthy way to use food. <laughs> and this might be depressing. But, you know, I just gotta, really got to fill that pit. Have you, have you ever been for a meal and ordered two main courses because you couldn't make your mind up? Uh, I, w- I would say about 60% of my going out entails two entrees or <laughs> like a double appetizer and one entree right which, right yeah but i mean i i feel like i would like to do that quite a lot of the time but i worry about feeling judged by the people in the restaurant oh uh, I, I a lot of my personality and perception of self is tied up in my look how much i can eat i can eat so much i'm a big <laughs> eater i'm a healthy guy with a big appetite so um yeah, I don't really feel shame about it. Have you ever been to one of those restaurants where they give you a T-shirt for finishing, you know, if you can finish a whole cow or something? Twice. Twice. <laughs> Once when I finished the Vermonster ice cream sundae at Ben & Jerry's when I was 19. <laughs> and... um once at Bocce Pizzeria in 2007, when I qualified for the Northeast Regional uh, Pizza Eating Championship, are you um, are you ever <laughs> disgusted by the amount of food that customers will order? Oh no, um, no! I think what I think when somebody orders a lot of food and I feel like they're eating it for themselves, uh, I think, "Wow, what a guy!" <laughs> <laughs> there was um, the. Um, there was one customer who would order a lot and it was, and he was a real, uh, mean dude. So I would then feel like what a sad person he must be. But that was more kind of my own extrapolation rather than, than the, the rule. Can, can you empathize with me though? I've gone to all the effort of preparing this food that I never wanted to prepare in the first place, but I'm doing it as a favor. And then she turns up and she's already eaten and she can't finish it all. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, like sometimes dinner parties, if we have like company over, 
we, um, you know, go through it all and make like a really nice dessert. And then, you know, I get that then the portions are too big, but they'll be, I think it's unique to dessert, especially like, Oh, just give me a sliver or, and you like give us like a real sliver of a pie or a tart or something. And then people are like, Oh, Oh, it's too much. And I just feel like, oh, would you just, just eat it? You know, I went through the trouble. <laughs> if you need to make yourself a little uncomfortable to just take, not that they don't enjoy it, but you just take part, you know? Yeah. And, um, the other half is just, you know, regular marital strife where, Oh, it sounds like miscommunication between the spouses. <laughs> so if, if the situation arises again in the future with your sister, how do you feel I should handle it? Well, uh, where she won't, where she's already eaten yeah. and, uh, she doesn't, uh, I would think she's so prone to the emotional effects of food that I would shame her in some way. It might be different <laughs> as her husband rather than her brother. I guess just shame. I'm big on, I think she's very, uh, susceptible to food shaming. So that's probably how I would go about it. 
who played Arthur in Minder, mm. and Dennis Waterman, who played Terry in Minder. No. Can you imagine moving down oh, to London and that's the first thing you see? That's amazing. I yeah. that's what my life's going to remember yeah. ringing my mum from a phone box. Oh. Mum, you'll never guess what. <laughs> and then um, another memory from my early days at Virgin was my first opportunity, and I'm lucky enough to have had many over the years subsequently, but first opportunity to um, meet Paul McCartney came in that first year. He released an album called Run, Devil, Run, which was all rock and roll cover versions. It was basically, it's not long after Linda had died and he was going back to this music he'd loved as a kid, as almost as a form of catharsis or something. That was the sort of idea of the album. And he had, uh, the, we got invited to an album launch and he was going to be there and it was just around the corner from the radio station. But the thing was, it was while we were on the air. Right. It clashed. right. So I didn't want to ask for permission from the bosses because you know, they're just going to say no. Mm. So what we did is we um, we we recorded a bunch of links, me and Pete, who I used to do the show with, just saying, hey, this is Pete and Jeff, it's Virgin Radio, blah, 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 about an hour's worth. Mm. And then we bunged somebody a few quid to sit there playing them out. Right. And we went to this club around the corner. Mm-hmm. And for some reason... I got delayed near the entrance or I bumped into somebody I knew or something and Pete and uh, whoever else we were with had gone on ahead and I see them talking to Paul McCartney. Yeah. And, but I'm stuck talking to someone. No. So, so I end up sort of pushing this person out of the way, rejoining the group just as Paul McCartney's saying goodbye to them. Oh. So I just grab his hand and say, it was really nice to meet you. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so, so then we go back to the radio station to finish the last hour or hour and a half of the mm. show or whatever. And as we're in the lift, I can hear Chris Evans's voice. So I think, oh, it must just be a trailer for his breakfast show. We get up to the studio. He is on the microphone oh. and sat the other side of the desk are the uh, uh, chief executive, oh. the managing director oh. and the chief finance officer. No. And they're doing a call-in about whether they should sack me and Pete for going no. out to this party. Yeah. So they've gone into the building, so they, gone the senior out there. Because it would oh. quite often happen that they'd be out drinking all day and then just sort yeah. of pile into the studio during our show. So um, that was the the kind of place it was. Wow. So if you were one of the people who phoned in and said, don't sack them, <laughs> thank you. Mm. Um, and happy birthday, Virgin Radio, 25 years old today. Jeff, Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Germans. Drift. All right, time for Quandary Corner here in Rural School, at the problematic at the GLAP Clinic. Any more? I think that's all, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So who is the uh, who's the first one from, if you haven't heard this? Uh, this is where we get people to um, tell us about a, a situation, a social situation that they've found themselves in, and we will say what the rules of behaviour are. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit of a acid indigestion. Oh, there. dear, sorry. What if it's me who dies? Uh, well, I mean, I think we know what happened to the podcast then. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to put it together. <laughs> okay, this is from Ros. I would like your advice on a small matter to do with work relationships. I commute to work and this evening I bumped into my new boss on the platform and we had a little chat about the delayed trains. We get the same train and my boss gets on the train first and sits down. Instead of sitting next to her, I say, oh, I'll sit somewhere else if that's okay. With the greatest respect, I'll leave you alone. (laughs) Now, I think that I'm being considerate and saving her from an awkward 25-minute chat with me and allowing her the space to read or whatever at the end of the day. I'm now worrying that my boss will not see it that way and will interpret it as rudeness. What is the right thing to do in this situation? Acknowledge the need for space and silence on a commute, considering we will regularly share the same train home, or... Should I have sat with her and carried on the conversation? I generally like my new boss, so I'm extra anxious not to be inadvertently rude to her. I think you'd be super friendly in the workplace, or, you know, as much, not weirdly friendly. Mm, yeah. Um, but I, I think you've handled it quite well. I think everyone was like, I, th- I wish everyone was like you. I think it's the perfect thing to yeah, say. Yeah. Acknowledge the fact that you don't want to have to carry on this small talk for the next yeah. half an hour. Yeah. I'll leave you in peace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 brilliant. I, I think you know you you're far more. I would say you're a far more functional person than either Annabelle or myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it takes some confidence to say that. Yeah, I think. Well, so. they just suffer inside. Like, what is this confident person <laughs> listening to this podcast? <laughs> no, but the thing is, their their nerves come from worrying now that the boss doesn't agree. But you're the better person, Roz. You have to remember that. So if that boss didn't agree then they're not as good as you. Get another job. Yeah, get another job. Yeah, yeah, with people who understand. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's fine. I think you've done... A- I have nothing to add, I'm sorry, but I think you've handled that situation so expertly. I wish that was a law. 
like like you're not allowed to smoke on trains and law would be you have to say oh let's sit somewhere else we don't want to spend the next time unless you're good friends mm-hmm. should be a law then yeah. it would get around this but but there you know there is the question isn't it um not necessarily in this situation when you say unless you're good friends hmm. maybe the other person perceives you as good friends oh yeah that's difficult and then you're breaking the heart a little bit oh i feel sad now <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure the boss doesn't yeah. know don't worry about that okay let's go on to nico's How do you deal with someone who gets your name wrong on social media, a place where the correct spelling of your name is likely to be? My nickname is Nico. Now it's spelled N-I-K-O. And apparently he says this is an unusual spelling of my nickname as people are more used to N-I-C-O. Yes. Say my parents got it from a Steven Seagal movie, which I've never seen. (laughs) (laughs) Every time my birthday rolls by and my name shows up on Facebook, people greet me, happy birthday, Nico, with a C. And I get peed because my name is right there. Like it's there in front Mm. of them and they could have checked. I give them begrudging, more perfunctory replies in protest. This happens every year. Every time, actually, outside of my birthday even. Mind you, people also get the spelling of my proper name, Henrik, wrong from childhood. I've learned to live with it, albeit just as begrudgingly. So I think all the, you know, the only real thing to do is be passive aggressive and write like thanks and then comma and then write Nico in capital letters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My phone has started auto-correcting my name to my name in capital letters, which oh, looks very weird. It does that on my phone as well. It's so annoying. Because it looks like you're shouting. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of self-obsessed <laughs> yeah, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah when, when it's you, it's even worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, I... I, I I, I'm baffled by people who do that. You know, I understand people spelling names wrong. My name, Jeff, is one that gets spelled wrong well, all the we're time. Well, we're two people who there are alternative spellings to our names, yeah. so we both suffer from this. Yeah, um, and, and you know, Jeff is confusing, especially if English isn't your first language, like with a G. Hmm. Geoff. Yeah, hmm. Geoff is what it looks oh, like. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, Geoff. Yeah, yeah, it's very confusing. Hmm. But it's baffling to me when it's on social media or it's right there in front of you i know yeah do you think they're being hostile by doing it yes they're like stop spelling your name in such a stupid way yes here's how you should spell it unfriend them yeah okay all of them no 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 here's what you do here's the passive aggressive thing to do yes you write your own name in capital letters but when you're thanking them you misspell their name (laughs) yeah yeah, there you go there's the answer okay (laughs) great if you have Anything you would like us to sort out for you, you you need to know what the rule is, then you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. How would you misspell your name if it was something like Sam, just out of interest? Someone's name is Sam and listening. Double M? Double Oh, there we go. Or double S? Yeah. There's always a way. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week came from my brother-in-law, Sam Barron. And if you're ever in Chicago, I know it may have been mentioned on this podcast from time to time, but you really must go and have a sandwich at the Fat Shallot. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our eye dents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Support our podcast on Patreon. There are all manner of rewards for you. Go to patreon.com stroke adrift. And if you can't quite stretch to that, then why not leave us a review on iTunes? Comes in very handy. Send your story of social ineptitudes to share with me and Annabelle and your fellow drifters. Hello at adriftpodcast.com and that is the same email address for problematic at the GLAP clinic in Quandary Corner at the Rules School. I need to start writing these down. Finally, thanks to Annabelle's dad, Robin Port, for growing a rat's tail back in the 90s and keeping us so amused in the present day. Adrift.
This comes from Jennifer from Lincolnshire, who says, I've been employed for what feels like forever, and in the midst of the travesty and social embarrassment that is job applications and interviews, I found your podcast. Oh. I know how you get so much of a thrill from having a new listener, so please thrill yourself silly. I'm, I'm thrilled. thrilled silly. Yeah, yeah, thank you for finding us. Um, there have been many moments in the past few months where a toxic potion of boredom, self-loathing and bouts of crazed behaviour have overwhelmed me. But listening to you both has always brought me round. That's that's lovely to hear. Yeah, very lovely. How could we monetize that? Mm. Um, maybe we could be the people that the, the police hire with a, um, a megaphone to stop people from jumping off tall buildings. I'm not sure we'd be great at that. Well, we wouldn't, you know, we'd, we'd, we wouldn't um, talk directly to them. <laughs> we'd just, like, talk to each other through megaphones. Okay, yeah. And then they'd probably hear it and think, oh, God, like, other people live like that. I'm fine, actually. Um, tomorrow I am finally starting a new job, uh, so I wish to have a publication in honour of the occasion, but also say thank you for pulling me through. I promised myself a list of fun things to buy when I receive my first paycheck, including a bird feeder, some new pyjamas and a tablecloth, but also to support you guys on Patreon. Appreciation for the times you've supported me. Aww, thank you, that's so that kind of you. Lovely. And um, what will you get on your new pyjamas? Or oh, the tablecloth. I mean, this is exciting to yeah. me. And the bird feeder. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what will you put on the bird feeder? Yeah, peanuts. Bread. Bread. I think bread's frowned upon these days. Yeah, a bit carb high, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I look forward to uh, every episode, which from now on I will be listening to whilst commuting with every other lucky sod with a job. Uh, with every other lucky sod with a job. For anyone else out there on the hunt, keep going. All the best, Jennifer from Lincolnshire. Well, here's um, here's the thing. You know, hopefully you'll get some commuting stories for us, mm. awkward interactions with new colleagues. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, my big piece of advice is conceal your real personality for the first three to six months. Don't go in there on the first day and let it all out. No, no. No one wants that. No, meter Keep it quiet. out slowly. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Jennifer. Yeah. Thank you for such a lovely email. Uh, the other one comes from Miranda. Um, Miranda Postance. Uh, Postance, pronounced as in cost, rhymes with post. Post, not post as in postman. We all clear. <laughs> <laughs> to Jeff and Annabelle. So, was I not supposed to read that bit out? No, it's, it's I, I think it, was, it was for you, but okay. yeah. Uh, to Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. 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 Please, please, would you podicate this episode to my husband, Neil, nearish to the 28th of April as it's his birthday. No pressure because I know I'm late in sending this to you. We've been married for five years and this year is especially important to us as we are also expecting the arrival of our first baby in September. It's both exciting and terrifying being prospective parents, um, but listening to your stories of young Eugene and Rudy are a comfort that even successful, in inverted commas, <laughs> podcasters clearly are winging it when it comes to children and life in general, for that matter. It's true. I mean, like for all the preparing that you do for it and uh, reading and worrying and things, you just make it up as you go along and it's fine, really. Mm. You just somehow manage to keep them alive, Yeah, I think. Um We've listened to you since the days that we used to work in offices so close to each other that we would carpool, uh, a.k.a. I'd make him chauffeur me, and we'd often listen to your home time show together. Nowadays, we both listen to Adrift and Jeff's other podcast, Reasons to be Cheerful. And I have to say that although I do enjoy both, I do prefer Adrift. Yes. So there, Ed. Yeah, I didn't cross that out. Annabelle wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't listen to Adrift, but he has somebody listen to it. What, to, to see if there's any mentions of his name? Yeah. No. Well, Imagine having someone whose job it is to listen to podcasts for you. Is that well, really no, what it is? No. So here's, here's the thing. I think Alex, who works for him, Alex Vice Price, yeah. listens to Adrift. Uh, anyway. Uh, but I okay. think he's a bit of a grass. And he, uh, so if, yeah. if, Ed, if, if Ed's name comes up in any context, mm -mm. it's fed back to him. Oh, wow. So. I mean, I've mentioned him twice today. Have you? When was the other time? Oh, I said something about it. Something about, oh, Ed dying. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want you to die. It's just an example. Yeah. Um, where are we up to here? In fact, uh, I enjoy Adrift so much that when it was my birthday in March, for my birthday present, I asked Neil to pay for me to become a Patreon so that Annabelle would bestow a title on me, which I notice she has yet to do, hint, hint. Oh. I'm guessing you've been busy with book stuff. I'm slightly behind again, yeah. I think I got up to March, so I'm a couple of months out, Megan. Sorry. I, of course, also wanted to access... Um, 
access to the bonus material that Patreons are privy to now that you have actually got round to producing some. Mm. Uh, as if I wasn't spending enough of my hard-earned money on you, I've also just bought an electronic copy of Annabelle's new book, Annabelle oh, versus the Internet. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to reading it at some point when I stop procrastinating, stroke getting sucked into social media holes, etc. Mm-hmm. And whilst I'm here, I ju- also just wanted to say thanks for the laughs and I hope my few dollars a month and book purchases will keep you both in biscuits and tea until you give up these ridiculous dreams of making it on your own and return to normal jobs in normal society like normal human <laughs> beings. Mm. Uh, keep up yes. the mediocre work. I'll stop rambling now and say happy birthday to my darling Neil. Thanks for being a wonderful husband despite my current mood swings and unreasonable demands. I can't wait to continue sharing my life with you with all the ups and downs and round and rounds that entails. Lots of love from... Miranda Postens. And did you want to bestow a title on the spot or do you want to give this some, some more thought? Uh, quartermaster. Quartermaster Miranda Postens. Okay, I'll make a note of that. Um, so, th- so there we go. Um, that's the latest edition of the podcast. And I really enjoyed both those um, publications in different ways. Um, thank you so much for all the support, both of you. It's immensely appreciated yes and um sorry that miranda didn't have things together enough to get the publication in in time for your actual birthday neil but i think you can i think you can make ex- you know she's she's got a lot on her plate at yeah. the moment did she say how pregnant she is i've forgotten hmm. we don't know how far along she I don't is don't think she says which is if she's in the good trimester actually there's no excuse none <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Jennifer, let us know. Um, let us know if there are any awkward interactions in your new job. And that's the latest edition of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you'd like a podication, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.